This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, welcome. Carm Capriato here. And join me each and every week for insights from my guest host and an industry first, a live virtual job tour, a take the automotive trivia challenge, unwrap your fortune of the week, and a whole lot more. The video version of this show is on aftermarketweekly.com. It is the aftermarketweekly.com live weekly show. I call this a fun, fast-paced, informative show. And the bonus, not only do we have a great guest host each and every week, and we have a great one this week, we also do a live virtual tour. It's Mike Davidson. How are you, bud? Hey, I'm I'm good. It's a little cold in Arkansas. You know, us Southerners, we, we're not good at 25 degrees, but that's where we are today. We got a great agenda coming up here. You're going to talk about leadership. We're also going to do a fortune and we're going to do a shop tour. And the shop tour is going to be from Riverside Automotive in Red Wing, Minnesota. I'm sure Riverside Automotive rings a bell to many of you. That's my good friend Matt Fonslow's, where he's the shop manager and lead diagnostician. And, and I got a chance yesterday to get, you know, a, do a test and see what's going on there. You're going to see a lot of really cool stuff here, Matt. So thank you for one, for doing that for us. Today's trivia in the early 1960s, GM was developing a new model that was originally called the LaSalle II. When it was shifted away from Cadillac, what did it become interesting you may not know mike or maybe you do but if you do you could only try to guess but don't tell anyone yet because that's the surprise at the end i think i might know but it would be just a guess so i'll just wait uh, Mike uh, did a great episode with us on wage and hour compliance uh, and that was episode 466 mike i think you've been on the show eight times you wrote a couple of great books and uh, hopefully you you can mention them yeah, and just real quickly on that note, uh, there is a new opinion letter that came out today from the Department of Labor on paying piecework, which is another word for flat rate. And so you're going to want to find out that, or you can email me at mikeD at parkwayautomotive.net, and I can send it to you. Uh, I get those notifications for them because I have a sort of a working relationship. It's a friendly one with the Department of Labor. And uh, so uh, I just got an opinion letter today that will be very uh, intuitive for shop owners to, to read and understand. I promise you, it's like a three to five minute read. It's not long. I'm glad to hear that. I also see that the, was it the house that passed an apprentice uh, bill? Did you hear about that? I hadn't heard about that. Yeah. Uh, it's going to the Senate now for debate. And uh, I, I, again, I, I don't know the details on it, but when I saw that news article, I was really happy to hear because, you know, Mike and I hooked up years ago when you, you were you were talking about your apprentice program. And basically, uh, I called you Mr. Apprentice for all these years. And now there are other apprentice programs out there. Mike, I, I didn't tell you this, but, you know, Mike was so kind to come on to a Zoom meeting with uh, the local Buffalo independent group a while back. And Mike, I am going to put that out as a podcast. Mm. It was mm. it was an excellent, excellent uh, discussion among among peers and you were there along with Pete uh, Pete McNeil uh, one other thing latest episodes that recently came out Dr. Dave Wyman if you've not listened to Dr. Dave Wyman on the show in the past he's done one other episode with me and it was on stress and managing and dealing with it he's a psychologist and I asked him if he'd come back and talk about holiday stress amid the pandemic and again this episode is phenomenal 
this is the kind of episode that should go out to family, to friends, to peers inside your place. Let them all get a feel for how Dave suggests that we get through not only the holidays in typical stress fashion, because sometimes it could be tough, but on top of the COVID that is even making it worse for so many people. It is time, Michael, to uh, have you come on and share with us. Recently, you got certified from John Maxwell. It's been a long journey. It was a personal journey for me to really just continue to grow and get better uh, at what I do. I I don't remember much from my great-grandfather, but I remember one thing he said to me, and he said that when you're through improving, you're through. And so that's been sort of a mantra of, of my life that I've even had to learn how to to try to harness because I think like a lot of entrepreneurs, we can get a lot of things going in a lot of different directions. And it's something that I I completed this year and uh, am continuing to, to grow in. The driving force behind like what's behind Mike Davidson and you know what keeps me up at night, that that sort of thing, is really what I've experienced for the last 23 years as a shop owner. And that is, if I can use the word burdened, uh, are the load that business owners carry. And I want to, I just have this motivation from wherever <laughs> that I want to help carry that load for business owners. I don't know whether it's just because of of my life and what the industry has done for me personally or just my understanding as a business owner and know what the load is and me believing the ability to help business owners carry the load. And that was the motivation behind the apprentice program all the way back to 2010 when I first, you know, said, I got to do something. And 2012, when we developed an apprentice program, and then 2016, when it got approved by the TOL, that was what was driving behind that. I saw the need in the industry and said, we got to do something. <laughs> and and then when it came to wage and hour compliance and writing that book, it, that that's what was driving it was like, how can I help? There's so much for us business owners to manage and, and and the load we have to carry. It's like, how can I help them understand wage an hour, for instance, and not feel like they're going to go to jail or have a, you know, a multi-thousand dollar fine because I thought I was doing right in the way I was doing things, but turns out I wasn't. And a 50 cent mistake turns into $62,000 in fines. And so that's what drove that. That's what motivates me on sort of a regular basis. Uh, and even so, as we talk about, as we as you guide us here on today's subject, uh, leadership, it's the basic thing that's driving me to do what I do. Get us into leadership a little bit. So as I mentioned, when I think about the load that we have to carry, one of the great benefits within your industry, and I want you to think about this for a minute. If you, Most people know of Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is an organization that's actually a leadership development organization that happens to sell chicken. I want you to think really outside the box for a minute and say, what if, just what if my business was a leadership development organization that happened to repair cars? What kind of people would I attract and how could I help them grow in their leadership? Because that's what Chick-fil-A does on a regular, consistent basis. So I take the 23 years experience that I've had as a shop owner and the things that I've learned and implemented and, and, you know, I just bring all this into this one thing. 
And I came up with the word and uh, is the word leadership. And of course, John Maxwell happened to have written a book about leadership, but he's talking about your mindset as a leader, being able to make the changes along the path, along the river of leading your company very quickly. Uh, and, and that's not what I'm talking about. And because I'm associated with them and, and I'm a certified teacher, trainer and coach of them, I, I, I got permission from them to even use the, the name. So we're perfectly legal in all that sense. But the word leadership for me and, and what I want to bring to the aftermarket is how do we help you as a business owner? Again, my, my motivation is helping you carry the load. And that is if you have other leaders in your organization that have the ability to make decisions without you, that's going to help carry your load. But they have to grow in that area. They can't just because they are, are that they can do that. It's like, how do we grow them in their role as a leader from the janitor to the technician, to the advisor, to maybe a manager or even the office manager? How do we grow them in their position so that they can begin to help carry the load for you? And I say it like this, how do you structure your business in such a way that give your people an opportunity to fail? Think about that. Think about how much you've learned by failing. You've had to have that opportunity to fail so that you could learn and you could improve and you could get better. I'll bet you everything I know, Mike, came from failure somehow. Yes. And me too, Carm. And and so how does the business owner structure his business in such a way that gives his staff a carefully done an opportunity to fail so that they grow in their role and and their leadership, even if it's leading themselves, because maybe it's that, maybe they're not going to be the manager, but maybe from that experience, you discover someone within your organization that one day will own your business. Because one of two things happens to your business, you either sell it or you close it. There's no other, there's no other options. One of those two things happen. And so what if we can develop your organization so that you could identify over time someone there that could actually take it? And so I take you on a journey through leadership to first setting up that, that whole idea of leadership. And, and then we want to bring people into consistent training to grow them in their leadership. So that's what leadership is about. That's where we're, we're going to do. And we're putting that together right now for it's going to be a 10 week study for shop owners, uh, for them to understand how do I make it happen in my organization? And then we actually get into the training with the individuals in your organization. I totally love where you went with this. Uh, I kept, kept hearing the word delegate in there. I, I know you work from home a lot and it's probably because you've done the leadership. I now work two days a week, and then just last week, uh, we're t- talking last Monday, I signed the papers with a guy that's been working for me for eight years so that over the next seven years, he becomes the owner of this company, 100%. Okay, so, so how long did that take? <laughs> you got seven before, seven after, 14 years. Well, until I gave him an opportunity to fail, did I see him grow? And then most importantly, this is so important in a transition of any type of succession you put into place. The people that work for you right now, would they be willing to work for the new owner? Well, you got to figure that out. 
that doesn't happen because you sell your business today and someone walks in and says, hey, I'm the new owner. I listen and get inspired by leaders like you. And then I think of three more episodes you and I could do to share this, these concepts and ideas. And a big takeaway is not only have you developed a succession plan and congratulations on signing those papers, Mike, but you just opened up, I think, the eyes of so many that say that there's a, there's a timeline here. You're recruiting, you're looking, you're grooming someone. And then all of a sudden, you recognize that, that you need to start talking to that individual, then you have to worry about negotiating the plan and the program, and then you have more years in front of you. Now, if I know you, you've structured the deal so that he could own it in six years, not seven, I bet. He could do it really whenever he wants to, but the seven-year plan uh, allows me to sort of stay in there in a safety net for him as he grows more and more into the role, because he's really already been in that role as a manager, and everybody here loves him and works for him more than they work for me. Uh, so all I get to do is just help him with those things that he still needs understanding on the numbers and and other and and just I'll continue to be uh, a consultant for him for probably years to come because we're such good friends now, right? I mean we we work together uh, now and it's been good. It's been a good journey. Mike, thank you. Please hang out as we get ready to get our, our shop tour going. Hey, there he is, Matt Fonzolo, great friend, c- great contributor to the podcast. Oh my God, Matt, uh, I, I think you've done more shows uh, than me. It's probably getting close. <laughs> Very good answer. I like that. <laughs> I know. Uh, Riverside Automotive, Red Wing, Minnesota. Uh, Matt, I, I saw this tour yesterday and I was pretty flabbergasted by some of the stuff because Matt is the quintessential geek one of the one of the you know the high geeks in our industry and he's going to show you some of his geek stuff besides a tour of I call this the shop that never ends so Matthew uh me and Mike just can't wait the shop as it is now is nothing like what it was when we, when we moved in and it's nothing like what I think it's going to you know where we're heading hmm. so we're, we're kind of in that process of constant improvement. You know, we're, we're different now because of COVID. So we got this little station here. We're asking people to wear masks and we got the sign on the door. We got hand sanitizer and masks if they don't have one. And this is the owner's office right to the right. So when he's in there, he can see people as they walk through and say hi. And then normally we'd have more tables and chairs. We kind of like this here. And it seems like clients really like it. They can sit there with their computers, you know, free Wi-Fi, of course. They can work, play games. This is the kid's nook, usually loaded with um, a few shelves with toys and activities and books and stuff like that. It's kind of cool. Some people bring the kids just so they can hang out in here. Pretty important to have uh, something set aside, a little area for the kids slash families, right? The people that want to stay isolated, we got a spot way over here for them. And then our kind of our coffee and refreshment nook. I like it, Matt. It's it's very impressive. Huge. Did you have to make it that big, or was this room always available? Yeah, this room was always available. This used to be all this in here used to be a big uh, bookshelf. Mm. Uh, the bookshelf came out to about here, so they're really deep shelves. There was books, magazines, you know, model cars, stuff like that. Matt, before COVID, did you have a lot of waiters? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I think the the shop we moved from did not have any waiting area. So you went from none to huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's the ownership's beautiful. argument was people usually don't wait. So why have a waiting room? They're not going to wait if there's nowhere to wait, right? <laughs> yeah. And now, now that we have an area, yeah, it, it can get pretty stacked. A lot of people would choose to sit here for an hour or two uh, rather than get uh, dropped off in town or something like that because there's a certain comfort level. The client comes in and says, this is a place to get car repair? Yeah, right. That, that, that is like the biggest compliment we can get yeah. by far. Somebody poking their head in and going, is this Riverside Automotive or do you <laughs> yeah. guys fix cars here? That is, seriously, that is the yeah. best compliment we could get. Absolutely. Well, uh, I this can is see our why. front counter. Uh, normally our customer service representative, Sarah, is sitting there. We got the bulletproof glass here for if I have to talk to customers. <laughs> <laughs> got a little bit of a blockade here that customers ignore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, that's Mark, our service advisor. Hey, Mark. <laughs> and then something we didn't have before was a customer restroom that employees don't use. Clients really like that. It, it's got that look, right? Yeah. Yeah. You don't have a tech, even an un- you know, not on purpose. They make a mess. It's harder to keep clean when you got so many people using it. Here we kind of got a break room mm. with a stove, an oven, microwave. There's utensils and stuff. A little more techie stuff is my growing, I guess we'll call it module. Matt, let's save this till the end. I want, I want to see the rest of the shop because I want Mike to take a really careful look at what's on that bench, Mike. That, because I, I was just blown away when I saw that yesterday. Uh, we have another restaurant over here, but remember, I used to have internet issues early on, uh, so I got upset and I took care of that, and I redid our entire shop network, where now we have ubiquity system access points throughout the shop. The shop that never ends. Watch this now. So this is kind of my area. I would say this is a fairly good representation of my days. This is a 67 Rolls Royce. Oh, wow. And Volkswagen Jeep. Uh, this Jeep came from another shop. They drove it in for an oil change, uh, and it hasn't moved since. I got my ADOS calibration system. This is a work in progress. So when we started out, none of this shelving was here. And uh, we've added shelving, and now I'm going to add more and more uh, toolboxes. Under, under here, I'm probably going to get rid of this toolbox, add more counter space, more storage. This is kind of my key cutting area, port, fuel injector, flow bench, and cleaner. Really don't use it a whole lot for cars. Uh, I recently had a Honda that helped me diagnose that the aftermarket injectors, although by application were proper, were correct, they um, flowed about 25% less than they should have. That would have been a tough call to make without that tool. By the way, Mike, don't you love the lighting? Man, it is so well lit. This used to have a drop ceiling uh, this summer. We took the drop ceiling down Mm -hmm. and put in this uh, infrared heater and then uh, upgraded the lighting. So the lighting wasn't horrible in here. It was all fluorescent, but we had a drop ceiling. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the lighting wasn't horrible. It was a lot, uh, maybe more yellow. 
Mm. And then we put in LEDs. And that, that was probably the biggest first steps we made to the shop were the uh, lighting. So this used to be a dungeon. We had those big, um, I think what we call multi-gas lights. Yeah. You turn them on, they take, you know, five minutes to really get going. And we put in the first generation uh, LEDs. They're squares and they hung from the ceiling a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that this became the brightest uh, space in the shop. So then you have to start upgrading the lighting in all the other areas. Yeah, right. This area here was the brightest in the shop. It had uh, compact the CCFLs. They've all been upgraded to LED. Mm. A flywheel grinder? Yes, sir. Parts cooker or automatic <laughs> parts washer that used to get used all the time. Uh, hardly gets used now. This is all the uh, boss's stuff. Then uh, it's kind of the tire area. Uh, these will be eventually moving out of here. We'll get a hoist in here, you know, kind of aimed at doing tires and such. Scott, our undercar specialist, alignment tech. And then this is kind of, I think, where the rest of the shop is heading. Where, uh, you know, the, we got the lighting, but the epoxy coated floors. We recently upgraded alignment uh, systems to the Hunter Elite. Mm-hmm. But I think this is where the rest of the shop is heading. You know, it's just like incremental, making improvements as we can and as they make sense. Take us back to that workbench. I want Mike to see what uh, what toys you have there. You name it. Actually, I know I don't have enough. I need more. <laughs> we o- we always need just one enough. more. Just one more toy. Just one more. Yeah, this never stops at one. Yeah. You can get your exercise just walking around. Yeah, that was about 5,000 steps. Uh, yeah, this is kind of my soldering area. Got a cluster that doesn't power up. So I'm going to try to figure that out. Getting more and more opportunities to, um, I think the technical term is virginize, uh, used modules so that they, the, the module itself or else the vehicle thinks that it's a new one off the shelf. Yeah. Um, it's becoming a more and more common where either, uh, modules are not being made anymore or, um, they're very hard to find and you can find used ones, but they're not plug and play. One of my exhaust gas analyzers. So there's nothing, Matt, uh, nothing you guys can't do there. And I know there's a lot of shops in the area that bring you their uh, troubled vehicles, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is one. Um, I think there's a couple outside. A lot of it's training. Don't get me wrong. It, it really is. And then a lot of it is uh, the, the tooling, the, the tooling investment. Uh, we got our 1234YF machine. Mm-hmm. And then I got two 134A machines. A lot going on at Riverside. Matt, we're running long, but I want to thank you so much. It was a great tour. Mike, any any questions? Uh, what was the ceiling made of? It looked like just a reflective metal uh, it's just, with the LEDs. Yeah, it's just tin. Oh, it is. Okay. The, the white tin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it sure made a ref- uh, helps in the reflective of the light down into the shop, which I'm sure brightens it up considerably. Yeah, I think what will happen eventually is a lot of the tin on the walls are probably going to get replaced to help brighten it up even more. Oh, yeah. And then as we epoxy coat the floors, um, that'll brighten it up even more yeah. and make it that much easier to keep clean and just have a better, a, a more clean look, period, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and so how many bays and what's the square footage of your shop area, Matt? We're just a tick over 10,000 square feet. Wow. Um, yeah, that's great. And then the bays 
you know, honestly, I would say 12, you know, and that's kind of cheating a little bit. You know, my area alone, you could argue is five flat spots. I can get five vehicles yeah. in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, eventually I hope to get a full rise, um, scissor lift in there. Okay. So that I don't have to wait for spots to open up on the other side yeah. to yeah. do my under, under car stuff. If I have to yeah. look at transmission type stuff or ABS or. Thank you so much. You know, I've known Matt for a lot of years now, and I finally got a chance to see uh, where he works and what he does and all the fun toys. So what happens, Matt? You just you just uh, go to you, know, you just put send a wish list up to to uh, and you just get what you want. Sometimes it works that way. I, I, I make the sales <laughs> pitch, uh, the key programming stuff, the key cutting stuff was something I tried to run up the flagpole was met with great resistance. So then I just bought it and I believed in it so much that we're doing enough keys. I don't want to make it sound like we're doing so many, but it did enough for the boss, the owner reimbursed me everything. I did a key show two weeks ago, a Carmcast key show. And when someone saw that advertisement for the show, I got an email or text. I don't remember what it was. And that email said, oh, my God, I do $400,000 a year in keys, a shop, because he had it. He, you know, he was he had all the certifications, even the locksmiths in the area didn't want to touch automotive. He was he was the go to guy. Yeah. And I think you and I were talking about doing a part two. But um, that was one thing I did before I bought the uh, equipment was I called the two local locksmiths. And basically asked for their blessing. And both of them said, I want nothing to do with cars. So I get all their referral work. Great stuff, Matt. Thank you so much. Hey, next week, everyone, Andy Bizov from Midwest Performance Chicago is going to be my guest host. And we're going to go out to Truckee, California, up in the mountains and see this really unique place from Bill Greeno. And uh, let me see trivia. In the early 60s, GM was developing a new model. It originally was called the LaSalle 2. When it was shifted away from Cadillac, what did it become? The Buick Riviera. Hey, I knew it was Buick. Well, good. Hey, look it. I loved the Riviera. Ever since I could think I could afford to buy a Riviera, I realized that I couldn't because every year they kept coming out with a more expensive item. So it was uh, the Toronado or the Riviera was something I always wanted to own and I could never get there. So, hey, thanks for being here, everyone. Uh, Matt Fonslow, Riverside Automotive, Mike Davidson, Parkway Automotive. Hey, guys, thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Carm.